Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. What if your social enterprise's purpose does not match those of bigger companies within your industry? Do you try to change them or do you forge your own path? In an effort to take a step towards countering the unsustainable practices of the fashion industry, Natalia Grizzard founded Ginger Bees. The social enterprise uses a variety of waste items to create active wear for women. And I asked Natalia what one moment set her on this journey. I feel there is so much in this journey. When I look back at what took me to founding Ginger Bees, I feel like I have a really deep a passion for nature and I feel like that is probably along the many years what took me on to finally opening Ginger Bees as a business. I had many encounters with animals in particular and there was one that was really marking for me which was an encounter with a whale in the atolls of Tonga. I was very privileged to swim with one and was the experience of a lifetime and shortly after I came across an article that spoke a whale that had ingested a lot of plastic. And that was really shocking to me because I feel like I had developed such a deep connection with this whale in the sea and then seeing such a majestic animal suddenly being showing up, you know, at the beach filled with our waste, not waste of previous generations, but our waste was really, really saddening. And I feel like that seeing that and coupled with the other experiences I had in the past was what made me opening Ginger Bees as a brand that dealt with waste. So why fashion? Why did you decide that this is where your passions lie? My background is in fashion and now I feel like I've gone through every side of the industry. So I left home when I was 15 to go to China and do some modeling. And this is when I lived in Guangzhou and got to know the city. I spent a few years there in Asia generally. Then I came to the UK for my studies. And then here I did the other side of fashion. I studied business management and I've always been very creative. So I could never see myself doing the paperwork managing side of the business. So I've always gone into marketing, PR, anything, events, anything that dealt with the more creative side. And I got to experience the other side of fashion, the, the side that, that dealt with the models, the side that created the campaigns, the side that did the visual. And so it was um, a seamless tra- transition, I think, for me when I looked into opening my own business and, and into marrying the things that I really loved. And and those were the environments, those were people, it was fashion. And also, I've always been very active. Everything just fit together, almost as a puzzle that, you know, you, you just finish. And it made sense to me. Is something that gave me a lot of pleasure and, and made me happy to work with. So with all that experience that you have in the fashion industry, are you the person that designs the items? I absolutely do. It has been a huge learning curve. I've always enjoyed drawing. And I when I first came across the idea of Ginger Bees and I started developing it, I was drawing some things and I used to do everything by paper. I'm very thankful that I've learned digital drawing now. It made my life a lot easier. But I I would do everything on paper and I'd color it and I'd make it and I'd show it to my husband. And he'd say, I really like this, but why don't you do this in another color? And I'd have to redraw everything. And so it was a really long learning curve. I then went into going to 
uh, actually doing courses to learn how to design properly and into sewing courses and pattern making courses so I could actually understand what I was doing because I felt like I needed to know how to create to be able to tell others what I wanted. Otherwise, there's a lot of time that you spend back and forth with pattern makers and your manufacturer going and making samples and approving and changing. And if you have that skill, you're able to just say, you know, we need to take a little bit here or this is how we're doing this. But it was a long process. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) And how do you see those skills helping you move forward with your company? I feel like every skill we learn, it might not make sense at that right time and you may feel like you don't need it. But at the end of the day, I feel like if you know a little, you don't have to be the specialist in any area, but if you know a little bit of everything, you're able to come to a specialist and say, this is the idea, here are all the elements we need to merge, and this is the final product that I'm trying to get to. How can we make it happen? And I think as long as you are able to marry that creativity to the things that we want to develop, and you find the right person to do it, it's just, there is no way it will go wrong. So... How do you then take waste products, and and what do you mean by waste products, by the way, as well, but how do you take those waste products and create something that somebody's going to want to wear when they're running down the street? You're so right, because um, when we talk about waste, we don't think that waste can be something beautiful. We think about something that is, it's being disposed, used and disposed, and shouldn't have space in our life. It's waste. It should go somewhere else. So when I talk about waste, I I mean any material that has been disposed by any industry. And we actually work with a range of different materials. So Ginger Beast took me into a real, I think, learning curve, but also a really wonderful journey because I had to redefine everything that was important to me. So Ginger Beast as a brand is an entity where we look at making partnerships and working with small communities to create products that are durable, that have quality, and they're products that are made for purpose. Nothing that we start at Ginger Bees, we create simply for sale. Our process of designing and creation starts backwards, where we find the material, so we'll find this waste material. And to give you an example, so you understand what I mean by waste, We, for example, collect cement sacks in partnership with a small community in Africa. And those cement sacks get handmade into our packaging. So they are rescued, cleaned, and then they are stitched with handles. So they themselves don't become waste. And this is part of what we do and it's implemented in in our entire supply chain. So along the way, and I found really interesting this with Ginger Biz, is that I created this brand because I was passionate about everything that it envelops. And I would speak to people often and they would say, oh, you know, you are, you are doing this or you are creating, you are working with this sustainable goal or you, I was doing many things that I didn't know of because I, I didn't have the education, the sustainable space. But I did because I was passionate about it. And so uh, Ginger Beast has become this whole entity where we create things in partnerships to empower others, but also to save the planet and create for, for the good of all. So you talk about working with other companies to further the sustainability of products, waste products, whatever kind of products. You use them 
repeatedly in different formats. But how do you get those other companies to say, yes, Natalia, we want to get involved with you? It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And that was one of the biggest challenges I had uh, opening Ginger Bees. And that is because we're all part of the systems, right? Every, every sort of industry has its own systems and the way things should work. And Ginger Bees redefines a lot of them. And so coming up with ideas, and they're very often not conventional, I will approach different people and businesses, established businesses uh, tend to tell me no multiple times. And I've received multiple no's, even from my own suppliers and manufacturers. But what's been really interesting is that when you talk to the communities, the communities themselves are very interested in doing this disruptive work. And that is mostly because we're doing work within the community. So a lot of the materials that we rescue are materials that are creating problems in their community themselves. And so they are keen to work for us and finding a solution. That side of Ginger Bees is probably one of the things that gives me most joy, which is coming up with the community. And I might not have an answer or the, the, the perfect idea, but I'll say I'm looking for this. I know that you might have this material available. Is there anything we can do? Can we work together to find a solution for both the community, but also for my business? And the answer tends to be always yes. And we'll come up with lots of prototypes and samples and we have video calls and we explore different materials. And the experience has been really positive. And they end up becoming partners for, for life. You know, all of the partners, everyone that I have brought into Ginger Bees so far, uh, and Ginger Bees is over a year old now. They have remained and we have done many things other than just the product itself. We have created new products, but also done projects within the communities. And that has been really wonderful. One of the things that I found quite interesting, so in order to do this podcast, I've done a little bit of research and I read, uh, I looked at your website and I, I read uh, a couple of the blogs. And what I found quite interesting was that you talk about the fact that your creation process is different from other fashion lines. Can you explain a bit more about that? Yes. So I really like saying that we create everything backwards. And that is because everything that we create, I find a purpose of why it should be created. And so we work with a lot of projects. We have our own projects. We also partner with other charities or other entities that are developing environmental projects. And so um, usually I go into a lot of research, I'll be talking to a lot of people and I, I will identify a problem. And for example, if we talk about our ocean line where we have Tongo project, I was then talking about blue carbon and how that could be sequestered given that CO2 is such a big problem for us now within climate change. Uh, and so we're looking to developing projects or we're looking to partnering up with other people. And once we have found that project and how we are able to execute it, then I will create a piece that can support that project financially. So everything that we sell at Ginger Bees is linked to a particular project, a particular cause. And hence why I feel like we design different because we find what is it going to do first, what purpose it serves, and then we create a product that matches the purpose that is able to empower that project and that cause. One of the things I'm, I'm curious is when you think of a fashion line or a fashion brand, 
when you think of something being made, you think of factories, you think of shipping and packaging and all of these different things. So clearly you're trying to find a way to be sustainable in that. But how are these products made? Do you, do you have a factory in the UK? Or is this a case of working with the individual companies? Yes, I think you're so right. And I think the fashion industry is so responsible for many of the issues we have with climate change and certainly a huge amount of the emissions that we have right now. It's impossible not to create something and think about the manufacturing process and all that goes into the supply chain of our brand, but also any other brand. We don't have a factory in the UK. That is because I found very difficult as a small brand being able to source the things that I needed to source in the way I needed to source in the UK. Our manufacturers are located in China, in Guangzhou, uh, which is by completely coincidence a place I have lived in the past. And the reason why I have chosen them, it was a two years process, was because there was a great deal of honesty. So we went through all of the work they did, how they did, how everything worked, and everything that was ethical or what certifications they held, why they didn't hold other certifications. There was a lot of talk and a lot of openness, I think, from them, which made me really reassured into how we could work together, how we could move forward. I think certainly if you're working with anyone, there is a baseline that you need to establish of what you need to find in a manufacturer. And then also you need to establish whether they are able or they are willing to improve on things. What What is their commitment towards the people that work in the factory, the work conditions and so on. And I felt like I found a manufacturing partner that ticked all of the boxes that I was looking for, but also looked at improving the other things that they may not have had. And there was a lot of certifications that I looked for, and you can be audited for absolutely everything nowadays that they didn't have, and they held a few certifications. But then we had an honest conversation as to why they didn't have the certifications. And there is a great deal of process that goes into it and a lot of money as well. And so I think it's always the important thing is not only to find the perfect partner because that's that very rarely comes along but partners that have the same values as you and partners that are willing to improve as you improve and as you grow um, unfortunately as a small brand we don't have a manufacturer that is only our manufacturing produces for us only we are very we have very small percentage of what they do but i'm very proud of the people that i work with and this last year, I was able to completely trace the supply chain and get to know each of the workers that uh, work on my pieces at Ginger Bees. And we have also established a project within Ginger Bees and my manufacturers where we donate part of the profits back into the people that have um, put the pieces together, the products together for us. Uh, so we work with the laboring committee to make sure that they also benefit from what we are doing. It's, it's a, Ginger Bees is a brand for all um, after all, so we want to make sure that the people that have created these pieces and spent so much time putting them together also benefit from the work we do. How do you, with such distances involved, guarantee that the manufacturing company is actually doing what it says it's doing? I think this is exactly where good relationships, communication, honesty comes in place. I am able to talk to all of my workers and truly understand what they need. So we will have conversations, and I think especially now that I've been up 
the entire night where I'll be talking to them and asking how was their weekend and what do they do and what hours are they working and are they happy and we have an open channel of communication uh, with the workers with the labor committee and also with the manager of the whole company and so I feel like there are moments where I'll question and I'll, I'll say I don't understand what this is happening please elaborate or please explain to me and they are very open to say, well, we weren't able to do this um, in such a way, or we're trying to improve on that. But you're right, it's difficult to ensure unless you are there on the day-to-day. But I feel like being able to have open channel of communication where they come to me and I go to them, it's definitely a very positive step and allows us to at least keep track and, and being able to improve on the things that we may need to improve along the way. So you talk about sustainability and you talk about the processes of making the products. Now, one of the issues that you've also mentioned is that the fashion industry in of itself is responsible for a large part of the issues that we have in terms of climate. So how then do you get the product to the consumer? I don't think, I mean, sustainability is a word word that we have abandoned a long time ago. Uh, In fact, we never called Ginger Bee is a sustainable brand. I've always called Ginger Bee an honest brand because I feel like sustainability is a word that carries a lot of different meanings. It's a very, I think people treat it as a spectrum and sustainability, if we're talking about it as a definition and truly what sustainability is, it's very black and white. It's really hard because I feel like we've moved into a market where everyone is trying to be sustainable because it's the new trend. And within what we do right now, you can't define sustainability because there isn't, or very few, I wouldn't say it's an absolute, but very few people and businesses could do things sustainably. And certainly not in the fashion industry, I wouldn't think. And so I... Uh, Let me ask you this before you move forward with the the question, which is that, that, do you think sustainability has become a buzzword? Do you think in of itself it is now fashionable to say it, to be it, but nobody truly understands what it means? Yes, absolutely. I really feel that way. And that is because sustainability has become a trend, just like all things. And everyone is trying to be a little bit sustainable. And you see in the fashion market many brands that are coming up with green lines and sustainable lines and recycled lines in efforts to tap into that side of the market and and those people they are looking to having better consumption patterns so yes absolutely has become a buzzword and i don't think i feel i feel like very few people understand what true true sustainability mean so with everything that you're trying to be, everything you are being in terms of being honest, how do you get your product from China mm-hmm. to somebody in the UK? So our products are manufactured in China and then they come, obviously there is a process where we have to ship them to the UK and that on its own is not sustainable. The moment that we produce anything, and this is what people need to understand, the moment we are producing and we are using resources to make anything new, this on its own is not sustainable, right? Whether we ship carbon neutral, whether we offset emissions, there are many problems within the sustainability world and that is just simply because we don't understand. We don't understand what the effects of trying to 
just offset our carbons or carbon emissions or create something a little bit better. The moment that we're doing anything new, that on its own is not sustainable. And so the products are created in China. They're shipped to the UK. They're shipped carbon neutral. However, we, we all know what that truly means. And they also come plastic free. So that everything that we can do to reduce waste to reduce the impact we are trying to do we do however you can have i can never sit here and tell you or anyone else that is listening to the podcast that there is a sustainable way to do it because there isn't fashion is is there for a reason people wear it people like it people want the you know the newest thing they want the brand they want to to look cool but nowadays more and more there is a message attached to a fashion brand. There is a reason that something is, is being made. Do you think people actually really value that when they buy a product, your product? Or do you think it's just, they're just interested in being part of the fashion trend that's happening? I think products tell stories. Everything that we buy and everything we wear, they're telling a story. And at the end of the day, if you have someone that is interested in telling the story of that product, they will support whatever it is that they need to support in whichever business. Yes, there is a level, I, th I feel personally, where people want to buy into the trend of being perceived as doing something good. But that could also be because they are not, they're not well educated or haven't got access to the right information into what that particular business is doing or what is actually behind that piece of clothing. We all know the marketing is something that can change how people see a brand, right? And it holds so much power. And there is a lot of fast fashion brands out there with a lot of marketing budgets. They're able to convince a consumer to buy a product that actually doesn't do that much good. So they are buying into a trend where they feel like they're doing good, they're doing their part, but they actually might be, they just might be mistaken because they don't know. Price is an issue, cost is an issue, particularly for the young who aren't earning thousands and thousands of pounds or for those who have to decide, do I wear something that is sustainably sourced and produced against a healthy meal for me and my family? How do you balance that with what you are trying to do? I love that you asked this question because I'm just about to launch a new line where the entire costing of that piece will be displayed so people understand exactly why it costs as much as it costs. I feel like when people come to me and they buy ginger bees, they're not only buying a piece, they're buying everything that is behind it. And they're proud to say that they are wearing this sports bras that is supporting our community in Africa and a project in the Pacific Ocean and it supports the workers. People like telling those stories behind what they buy and then I feel like the price points when you are buying something that is an investment, you're not buying something because it's trendy, it's something that you love, it's something that will last, and it's something that has the quality to last, you can then really buy into that. But people also don't buy into a product when they come to Ginger Bees, they buy into a brand. They buy the pieces because they support the work we do. And we've had many people that have bought pieces that 
weren't quite exactly what they wanted or they were in need of that piece at the moment, but they bought because they wanted to support a certain project we're creating or they bought for other people. We have a lot of men that come and buy for their girlfriends, friends, family, simply because they want to support what we do. And so I think the price then becomes justified because it's not, you're not paying the price and the, price, the money goes into the pockets of someone in a corporation. The money is literally going into doing many projects and supporting many people. The problem is, though, that there are many families, many young women who can't afford, say, £45, I'm, I'm just guessing here, for a sports bra. And they are then going to go to those fast fashion brands. Is there a way for companies like yours to work with fast fashion brands, do you think, to perhaps encourage them to be more responsible? I find that difficult to think. I have been in touch with another big actor of our company where they wanted to collaborate with us. But the values are so different, the things that you believe in. And I think when you're passionate about something, and certainly when you're creating, when you are in the space of sustainability, you create a brand like I did because you're really passionate and you want to see change. And so profit is almost secondary. The results that you get from the things that you do is what keeps you going. And especially, I think, as a small brand where you have to, a lot of the times you're not able to get your hands into the things, the materials that you need or the people that would help you simply because you're too small. I'm a, I am a one-person brand. It is difficult to then see how a collaboration between two brands where values are so different. Uh, and certainly, I think, if you just isolates everything and leave profit on its own could work. I understand that for a lot of families and for a lot of people and for a lot of our demographic, our products are expensive. And one of the things that I'd love to do is be able to expand the brand where we're able to bring those prices down, but still be able to do all that we do with the projects and the people that we support. But sadly, I feel like that might take a while. It's still, we're not there yet. But thankfully, we've had a lot of support this last year. Hopefully, it's something they'll be able to do soon. As you say, you're a one-person band, and you have worked hard to get where you are. There are many people who've probably sat at home and thought, oh, I could do, and then don't necessarily know how to step forward into their enterprise. What is your advice to those who are starting out? I always say that if you have married your passion to a current issue, there is no way you can fail. I think you have to redefine what success means to you, right? For a lot of people, success is money and exposure, and we all see success differently. Success to me is being able to care for my communities, uh, do my projects, educate my community online, and talk about these issues and get people to understand the world that we're living in right now and how we can change it together if we act together. Those are my measures for success. And so I think for everyone that, or anyone that is thinking about starting a business, I, I always say, just do it. Do it because you might regret if you don't. If you fail, you fail, you've learned something, you move on to make that business better, or you move on with life skills that you've acquired by opening and perhaps failing. But if you don't fail, then you do something that you love for the rest of your life. That was Natalia Grizzard, founder of Gingerbees, the active fashion social enterprise. 
You can find out more about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube.